the stage is set, it's go time. Peep the scene, we in the mix, it's 96, and rising from the Philly streets a team, trying to find his direction and make that connection. Not knowing what to expect then, taking it step by step then. Your weather through the rain, in your heart, in your brain, trying to learn the terrain. Ice water in your veins, your aim, carve a new lane, covering the canvas with your paint, in a picture to end up a fixture, too large for any frame, you beat the eyes by a mile, all grit, no smile, a new golden child, yeah, let's do it, mama style. Welcome back, y'all, so I told you a little while ago that we'd be coming back at y'all with some more content dedicated to the legendary Kobe Bean Bryant, who would have been 42 years old today. So uh, this is actually that podcast, y'all. This is the definitive hip-hop sports report Kobe Bryant tribute podcast. Welcome to the preseason podcast of the year, hiphopsportsreport.com. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Report, facebook.com slash Report. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on iTunes. Y'all know how to get a hold of us. We appreciate y'all for listening. On this uh, Sunday, August 22nd of 2020, I hope you guys are sheltering in place, in peace, right? Um, Still dealing with this virus business, man. It's been nuts. It's been crazy. It's been hard on everybody for a variety of reasons. But we're going to do the best that we can to try to get through it, just like everybody else. And, you know, we thought that it was a special occasion to to reach out and um, talk to a few people who had a, a unique perspective on Kobe. And uh, share a little bit of my personal perspective on Kobe. Shaman J. Hicks here today. And uh, like I said, we have a couple of guests coming up. So uh, let's just dive right into it. Actually, before we dive right into it, before we dive right into that, though, I did want to take a quick moment to shout out ourselves, because we can do that on this podcast. August 13th actually marked the eighth anniversary of Hip Hop Sports Support, y'all. So thank you very much. Eight years in the game. Um, we appreciate everybody that's been loyal to us, that's been listening, that's been following, that's been reading, that's been sharing, that's been liking, that's been loving, that's been uh, promoting, that's been joining us, that's been doing everything that y'all can do to help grow this thing and contribute to to my dream and our dream here. We appreciate y'all, man. Um, it, it hasn't always been easy and it's difficult to find a time sometimes, especially with, with life being what it is and with my family growing and everything like that, but... You know, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate each and every one of you. In fact, I wanted to take a quick second to recognize a few people who have shown a lot of consistent love over time, or even if it's kind of a shorter amount of time, that that love has still been um, pretty um, well received and and very much appreciated. They've been very uh, complimentary of some of the stuff that they've seen and heard on the site. And so I just want to take a quick second to recognize a few of those people. Um, these are social media contributors, you know what I mean? People that engage with Hip Hop Sports Report on, on social. As I'm watching Kemba Walker just drop somebody. This <laughs> game, game four, the Celtics and Sixers is going on right now. And Kemba Walker just put somebody on their ass. It was hilarious. And that's like, I think that's the second person he dropped today. I think he dropped Embiid earlier. But anyways... Shout out to the following people who've always held us down. Taran the Black on Twitter, 216Tone on Twitter. You guys have been loyal listeners for a long time and, and constantly engaging with us. I appreciate you. Mark Majoris 
Homie from college, man, back at Bowling Green. We used to run the courts together, you know, hooping and stuff like that. I appreciate you, man. Troy Simpson goes all the way back to, to high school, my man. I, I appreciate you, Troy. I love you. We, I don't really agree with a lot of stuff that you say. <laughs> if I'm giving it a stack, you know what I mean? But we always find common ground somewhere, and, and I appreciate the engagement, of course, and, and the support. Kelvin Ranford, uh, a college buddy of mine, shout out to him. Uh, going back to high school again, Darnell Williams, Anthony Yates, a couple of cats that have always held me down. Uh, James Cosby, shout out to you. Madeline Murr, uh, Ponzi Scheme, of course, who blessed us with the intro music. No net, you know what I mean? Held us down. I appreciate you, Scheme, of course. Nick Golden on Twitter. Landon Mosley. Mr. Positivity out on Twitter. I see you. I appreciate you. My man, Jason Lancaster, who I've known from way back in the day. You know, we have our disagreements as well, but, you know, you always show support and love, and I appreciate you for that, man. And Jason Lawhead, stand-up comedian Jason Lawhead from uh, the Cleveland area, man. Shout-out to Jason Lawhead. He's always um, chiming in, and, and, you know, we have great dialogue about basketball and, and some other sports, and he's always held us down, too, so... He's got a great new special out. It's called Pay It Backwards, if y'all haven't seen that yet. Pay It Backwards by Jason Lawhead. Go check it out. And uh, and so, again, thank you to everybody who supports us and who shows us love. And uh, y'all keep me going. Y'all keep me wanting to find reasons to to keep doing this thing as much as I'm able to do it. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and move to our first guest of the afternoon. And, of course, I know I didn't remember to get everybody. I know I didn't. So if y'all, if you feel... If you, if you notice that your name didn't get called, you know what I'm saying, and you feel slighted, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I'm telling you, I apologize right now. I know I didn't catch everybody, man, and I'll catch y'all on the next time, you know. And, and again, of course, big shout-out to, to Kenneth Hicks and Anthony Houston, who've always been members of this uh, podcast, and all of our frequent contributors and guests uh, that have been on the show in the past. Thank you very much. But I just wanted to make sure I recognize those specific individuals. And in the event that I missed you, I'm sorry, but I'll catch you next time on our ninth anniversary podcast, all right? All right, so I want to welcome back to the podcast once again uh, a, a personal favorite of mine, hopefully a personal favorite of y'all's, a frequent contributor to the preseason podcast of the year, my cousin Vinny, my man. What's going on? I'm glad to be back, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. And I wanted to reach out to you specifically for a few reasons, you know. Again, this is the Kobe Bryant podcast, man. We wanted to to, to salute the King Kobe Bryant, who, who again would have been 42 years old today, and of Mama course, day. Mama and, day. And of course, tomorrow is Mama Day, 8:24, and his birthday yeah. is 8:23. 23. Yeah. So um, this is this is like the Kobe weekend, or, or Kobe, you know, a couple of days. It's going to be a lot of tributes and a lot of stuff out there. You know, we we actually played a little um, uh, the Snoop Dogg tribute that he did for the SB Awards at the top of the show. So we don't own those rights to that music. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to put that up now. But you know, we wanted to show, show some uh, support for that because that was a great uh, song and tribute that Snoop put together. But um, Vince, you know, you you're a little older than Kobe, I believe, and and you were you know you were an adult when Kobe broke into the league. I was still a kid when Kobe broke into the league, but I, I remember when he was coming out of high school though. And you were um, a little older, so you were probably in your early 20s when Kobe was first breaking into the league in 96, 97, you know what I'm saying? So I want to get a little bit of a glimpse into what 
it was like from your perspective, because I know what it was like for me watching him. You know, I thought he was kind of arrogant at the time. You know what I'm saying? You know, he announced he was going to the league. He was taking his talents to the NBA. He was the first person to say that. He was the way. first person to take his talents right. somewhere. And he, and he had his shades on the top of his head. And, you know, he went to the prom with Brandy and all that. And it's like, it's like who does this kid think he is? You know what I'm saying? Like, he really thinks he's out here getting it. And, and of course, at that time, a lot guards weren't really jumping to the league straight out of high school like that either. You know no, I mean? not at all. Not at all. He uh, set a precedent for the small for the small guy going straight to the league from high school. You usually have your Moses Malone's and your Kevin Garnett's, the big guys, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Six eleven, seven feet, you know what I'm saying? Physically strong enough or physically athletic. You you, you didn't have six five, six six guys going straight to the league. It so, was a it was an anomaly, so it yeah. was it was definitely unexpected. Yeah, so what do you remember about Kobe coming into the league? You know, were you a fan of his right away? And, and how did that – because I know you grew into becoming a big fan of his, but I'm curious how that came about for you and, and what you remember about him at that time. Uh, like you said, I did uh, grow into a big fan of Kobe's. But uh, when he first came into the league, I had pretty low expectations. I won't lie. My expectations were pretty low. You know, him coming out of Lower Merriam uh, High School in PA. I mean, you know, at that time, you don't – See, there was no LeBron, so it was no high school games on TV and all of this uh, ESPN show on high school games. It was nothing like that. So you're like, this kid is coming out of high school, so you would see clips. And, yeah, he looks great on clips against guys that's going to work in insurance and go to college and be <laughs> computer geeks. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, the NBA is a totally different level. Right. So... I had low expectations of Kobe coming out, and I kind of had the arrogant vibe, but I I looked at it as the Jordan thing. Like, he had patterned himself after Jordan, and everything he did was like Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Jordan was kind of curt and, you know what I'm saying, not real friendly and, you know what I'm saying, real goal-oriented, and he wanted to show that and had that perception of him. So I think Kobe was kind of following that path, and as an 18-year-old kid coming into the league, it would be looked at as arrogance. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, obviously it was like, what was it, the, maybe it was rookie year when he came in the league and he was airballing the threes against Utah. You know, Exactly. I mean? and, and I already didn't exactly. really care for the Lakers because Shaq had went out there. And I, I kind of liked the Orlando Magic Lakers. I mean, excuse me, uh, Shaquille O'Neal and the Orlando Magic. So then when he left Orlando and then that same offseason, Jerry was got both of them together. Can you imagine that? That's got to be... That's Can one of the you greatest. imagine? That might be the greatest GM move in the I mean, history of sports. Cause, cause you, and, and you know who had the first... You know who had the pick right before the Lakers did? <laughs> in, in the 20... Uh, in the, excuse me, in the 1996 NBA draft. I think Kobe went 13th. You know who had the 12th pick, right? Yeah, I do know. That, that would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. We had two picks that draft, right? Uh, I think we did. I think we got uh, Ilgowskis and we got Potopico. Uh, Potopico yeah. first, and Ilgowskis was 16, I believe. Potopico was 12. But, yeah, Potopico was the pick right before Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? That's and, correct. And, that is correct. Oh, my gosh. I mean, what could have been? But, then, <laughs> but, you know, the trade happened immediately after. You know, uh, Charlotte drafted him, but then he immediately got <laughs> traded to the Lakers. and Yeah, Vladi for uh, Vladi because they got Shaq. You know what I'm saying? So it was like they were – it was the whole plan. Get Shaq, get this young kid. Kind of, I mean, like I said, Jerry West is a genius. You know what I'm saying? When you look right. back at it, you know what I'm saying? Because Lottie Divac was a fan favorite, and he was also uh, talented. And he was also, he was. you know, uh, a very good basketball player. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, I'm taking a chance getting rid of a accomplished big man to get a kid out of high school who nobody knows about. 
And I can remember when he came in and Nick Van Exel was still on the team and Eddie Jones was ahead of him on the depth chart. Yes, and, he was. Eddie Jones was nice. You know, I, think they, he, I mean, they had a very good basketball team at the time. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you know, not overly superstar heavy, but a lot of guys who went on to have long, prosperous careers in the NBA played on that Lakers team. Right. Right. And Eddie Jones is one of them. And he was, I remember, you know, there was a debate at one point of maybe, maybe it was Kobe's second season. Cause he didn't really play much that first year because he was behind a really good player like Eddie Jones. And then exactly. the second year rolls around and it's like, okay, we start to see the flashes and it's like, okay, well, you know, do we want to move off Eddie Jones or do we want to give Kobe more of the reins? And it's just kind of like, well, I mean, Eddie Jones was better for a while. And then it was like, okay, but how much longer can we hold off this kid? Because every time this kid gets in here, he's doing something special. He's, he's doing a 360 dunk on somebody or he's, he's putting yeah. up points in, in, in limited minutes. And you can see the skill right away. And then by the third year, he's, he's in the All-Star game. I think it was his third year in 98. I believe, I believe so. I believe it was that third season. Maybe it was and his second I mean, season. Even. I don't know what it was because I, th- I guess his first season was 96-97 and then the second season was 97-98. So I guess it was the second season he was already an all-star. I mean, he may have been voted in by the fans even. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and he was he was taken off. So it wasn't long. Eddie Jones had to know the writing was on the wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He definitely had a short leash. You know what I'm saying? You And when you're playing, it's I mean, that's in any sport. When you're playing uh, a position and you got the next guy behind you or the um, – the air appearing behind you, I mean, it, it changes your outlook. It changes the way you play the game. You know what I'm saying? You look, even if you're an unselfish guy, you start to be more selfish because you want to show people that, you know, I'm better than this guy or whatever. And it, it, it takes away from you mentally. So, and at that time, he's still a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kobe's still a kid. So you're like, come on, man. I'm a, I'm a veteran in the NBA. This kid, yeah, he's talented, but look what I've done. But in the beginning, like I said, I wasn't a real big fan of Kobe. I thought he was a talented kid, but when did you become a fan? Like that's the AI draft. So AI was always my guy. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that was, that was that draft. And you know what I'm saying? I kind of related more to AI, you know what I'm saying? On the court, off the court, just, you know what I'm saying? And Kobe was, like I said, kind of in that Jordan, uh, esque way. You know what I'm saying? He carried himself like he was the greatest player to ever play, even though he wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And he had these rivalries with guys. You know what I'm saying? Like a motivation thing. You know what I'm saying? Trying to be better than guys and using that as fuel to set the fire, even even though it wasn't any flame there. He was just following in the path of Jordan. And I really didn't care for that type of basketball player. But I appreciated his talent at that time. And it was just talent driven that made me start to like Kobe Bryant was because of his talent. And of course, you you, know, you remember hearing the stories about how he like busted Jerry Stackhouse when he was like seventeen years old at like a workout or something like that. Exactly. Stackhouse is like <laughs> a legitimate, established, like not star, but like close to it type player. Yeah, he had that. He had that. Um, you know what I'm saying? That aura. Those rooms, uh, like they talk about boxers in the gym. Those sparring sessions where nobody is privileged to, no cameras are around, but you know what I'm saying? It becomes folklore. Like, yeah, uh, he played. Michael Jordan one-on-one and beat him 15 to one. You know what I'm saying? You hear stuff like that and you're like, wow. And then you see the flashes of this kid and you're like, this kid is amazing. You know what I'm saying? Along with the story. So, right. you know what I'm saying? He did have that back in him. Like I rem- I can remember the Stackhouse thing. And at that time, Jerry Stackhouse was a top wing player in the league, like right. a top five wing in the league. 
Yeah, yeah. And Stackhouse, he even went on. I think he averaged like 28 points a game one year. Yeah, and, yeah. No, he was a very talented yeah, he scorer. Was, he, he was could, good. And, and like I, mean, I said, Kobe just – he, I don't know. He had something about him. You know what I mean? And I, so I have to, you know, full disclosure for the listeners. You know, I've never been a Kobe Bryant fan. You know what I mean? And when I say fan, I mean, I was never, I never owned a Kobe jersey. When I was in high school, when Kobe was winning titles, I was never, I, I was telling people that he wasn't that great or he was good, but Shaq was dominating the squad, which he was, but you know, I was I was very much not in the Kobe camp, and as time went on, I grew to respect him more and more and more. In my opinion, he's the most skilled player I've ever seen in the NBA. I don't think that there's ever been a more skilled player. He could really do everything if he wanted to. Now, he didn't always do everything, and sometimes I think there were other elements of his game that maybe impeded his progress in other ways. So, for example, you know, everybody... Uh, props up the Mamba mentality and talks about how how single-mindedly driven Kobe was, and that's true. And I think that sometimes that came at the expense of his teammates and and some of the chemistry on the team and things like that. And therefore, you're not going to see him go out of his way to make a lot of other guys better and stuff like that. And so that's the kind of stuff that stuck with me. And I'm not saying this to down him because we're actually here to lift Kobe up on on this afternoon's podcast. I'm just keeping it 100 as far as, you know, how I perceived him Throughout the course of his career, he was never that's my a, guy. He was never. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. But that's. I mean, that's a, that's a good perception because I believe that's a lot of people that weren't uh, Laker fans. That was the perception. I had that perception of Kobe, like you said, and uh, I didn't grow to become a real Kobe fan until later on in this year and his in his uh, career. And it wasn't even because of his basketball IQ of the time. I like when Kobe opened up as a person differently. And I think that, you know what I'm saying, happened after, you know what I'm saying, all of that uh, Colorado stuff with the rape allegations and this, that, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you get to a point where you're single-minded like he was, like I said, it's that Jordan thing and he has that mama mentality and it kind of comes at expense to your teammates and stuff like that. When you go through something, people weren't really rallying behind Kobe. It was kind of like, oh, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes got in trouble. I think he looked at that and like, what kind of relationships am I building in the league? Yes, I'm winning. Yes, everybody knows I'm good. But what kind of relationships am I building in the league? And at that time, you know what I'm saying, the young guys, LeBron and them were coming around and they were have friendships and stuff like that. And I think he just kind of saw, like, I could still be the same guy, the same talented guy, that same killer mentality, and still have relationships that last after basketball. And that right there made me make Kobe the all-around guy that I started to like because I always loved his talent after the first couple of years, and I thought he was a great basketball player. But that other part makes people more human to me, and I think that just changed this my whole perspective around on Kobe and not just loving him as a basketball player, but actually becoming a real Kobe it's, fan. It's, it's authenticity, right? Like, it is. That, that's what you're getting at. Like the same way, the same reason that you like Allen Iverson and I like Allen Iverson and my brother like Allen Iverson and everybody like Allen Iverson. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If, if you had a, if, if you had a, a ounce of coolness about you, you rock with Allen Iverson on some level back in the late nineties, early two thousands or whatever. How, and you just how felt, like you said, you felt it was the authenticity. You right. know what I'm saying? You yeah. might not agree with everything he did, but he was being him. It was not him putting on some kind of aura because this is what I'm supposed to be like or look like. And once Kobe 
got that authenticity feel. I mean, you can't deny his basketball prowess. Like no. you said, I, I also believe as a, a wing player, he's the most gifted, most talented player I've ever seen play basketball too. That's above Jordan. That's above LeBron. That's above everybody. I agree. I think he. Just, I think his skill set is unbelievable. Right. You know what I'm saying? But he just he had that detachment early in his career, and once you got that attachment with him. You know what I'm saying? Then everything else was already there. So it made me a real big fan of Kobe. Yeah, it's funny when you talk about his his uh, skill set. I, I so he Kobe uh, chased down an offensive rebound and spun around and turned and hit a three left-handed out of the corner one game. And when he did that, when he shot the ball with his left hand on a turnaround corner three out of the deep in the corner with his left hand, y'all, I mean, like, I was like I'm like, okay, this dude, there's nothing he can't do. You know what I'm saying? He can do everything. He can do everything. And so that's where I grew in appreciation for him. Just the overall skill set package, the footwork, the post moves, the the defensive intensity when he wanted to. The the his offensive game had no limitations. Left hand, right hand, he could dribble, um, you know, fadeaway jumper, one dribble, pull up, you know, spin moves, whatever. He can finish at the cup. He can shoot the three. Um he had no weaknesses in his game, mid-range, long-range, whatever. And, again, he was more skilled than Michael Jordan. He was a carbon copy of Michael definitely Jordan. Michael Jordan, yes, he was, but very much so a carbon skilled copy. But skill-wise, he was version. definitely yeah. more skillful. And, and, and I, would, I personally would not say that he's better than Michael Jordan. But he would, No, I wouldn't say he's better than Michael Jordan either. But he's more skilled. And, and, and from the skill set standpoint, and you, when you know how much um, effort that he put into that, like I, I heard a story, I think it was J.J. Redick, on his podcast was talking about how he um, saw Kobe uh, practicing ahead of a game one day. Like he just kind of snuck out in the gym or something, or he maybe he was on the opposite end of the court doing his workout pregame or something. And Kobe, or maybe it was Dwayne Wade. It was one of those two guys that told the story, but Kobe just did the same move like three hours for like three hours. He just worked on the same move over and over and over and over again. And like, you know, I guess he came back later and still saw him working at it. And he knew that he was going to see it in the game that night and he still couldn't stop it. You know what I'm saying? Still couldn't stop it. You're you're going to do it in the game. So they knew it was coming and they still couldn't stop it. And what's interesting about that, Vince, is that from my time being around NBA teams, you know, I've seen guys, including J.J. Redick. I've actually seen J.J. Redick warm up before a game. I've watched it before. And okay. when you watch an NBA player warm up before a game, you see why they're in the NBA. He, he didn't miss in his, you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't miss in his warm up. Like, you just watch the guy, you know, with a, with a couple of coaches, rebounders, and they just kick him the ball out. And he and Redick just shot it and shot it. And Redick's a great shooter, of course. But yeah. But he did not miss. And it's just like, okay, so a guy gets in the game and he shoots, you know, a good player will shoot 40% from three. And you think, well, that's four out of ten. That's not nothing special. But you got to understand, when when he's unguarded and he's just out there just warming up, he's hitting 95%. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's like it's incredible to see. Right. So, so, and I'm watching J.J. Reddick. I've seen Kevin Durant warm up. I'm like, these guys don't miss when they're just out there shooting jumpers just by themselves ahead of the game. So, so if that's what a regular player like Reddick. Reddick's a good player, but he's he's more of your kind of garden variety two guard, you know. And if, if that's exactly if that's the kind of skill that he's doing, just you know. And then he's impressed by what Kobe's doing. You see what I'm saying? So I'm marveling at JJ Reddick, and JJ Reddick marvels at Kobe Bryant. You see what I'm saying? Like that's that's what it really blows me away when I think about the kind of the work ethic that that he had. And 
you know, and you mentioned the Colorado stuff too. And, and I think, you know, and going back to the authenticity piece as I bounce around a little bit, you know, I've always loved Charles Barkley. You guys all heard, hopefully, the, the Charles Barkley podcast that I did in May where I said that he's one of the top 10 players of all time. And, yeah. and on that podcast, I kind of um, inadvertently kind of trashed Kobe a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't my intent. My cousin Jason Jackson, shout out to my cousin Jason. He brought it to my attention. Like, man, why you got to go in on Kobe? It's like, I'm not going in on Kobe, but the analytic numbers, which are so friendly yeah. to Barkley, do not like Kobe. But it doesn't mean that Kobe wasn't great, obviously, right? And No, you could, I mean, it's different greats, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's different forms of greatness. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's greatness is not in the numbers. Ben Wallace was an all star for two or three years at a point. And a lot of the stuff he did never showed up on stat sheets. So you would look at his stats and say, this guy sucks. Like, why is everybody talking about one? Why is he making an all-star team? Why is this? And greatness is not always in stats. And as we know now, they got a stat for everything. So you got a guy who plays six minutes a game and he scores three points. And they said, if he scores, if he played 48 minutes, he would average 35. That's not true. You know what I'm saying? So you got these extra analytics and all that. So some could lean towards the one guy and discourage towards another one, but I always look at the eye test. When yeah. it comes down to it, the eye test says it all. And the eye test, Kobe passes on every level of the eye test. You know what I'm saying? Every single level at all times. You know what I'm saying? And I like that about him. You know, I like that work ethic about him, even though, you know, it's, I mean, basketball is fun, but it is, it's his job and he wanted to be great at it. And I I hear those stories about Allen Iverson the first time he came to uh, L.A. and Kobe picked him up from the airport and they went to go eat. And after dinner, you know, what I'm saying, hey, I like I'm about to go to the club. Where you going? He like I'm about to go to the gym and put up shots. Mm-hmm. This is 11 o'clock at night. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Or the Dwayne Wade story about he's a rookie or whatever in the all star game. And he wants to go out and get up some shots or whatever. And Kobe's out there. Uh when he gets out there, yeah. Kobe's out there already right. working. That was the way he does this. Yep. He does his workout and leaves, and Kobe's still out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then he came back, or something. He came down like the next morning, and Kobe already had ice on his knees. Already had ice on his knees. <laughs> and like, exactly. What are you doing? He's like, oh, I've been up since <laughs> six or whatever. You know, like grinder. Kobe was a grinder, man. For all of the, for all of the goody two shoe arrogant vibe that he gave off in his early Afro years, right? And then all yeah. of the 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 Mamba mentality stuff that came in his later years and then the allegations against him in the middle, he was always a grinder. He was always, he was a, always grinder. a grinder. Always a um, grinder, So what I was going to say before about the, the authenticity piece again is that, so I love Barkley back in the day, but I love Barkley from a young age in part because he's always been himself, always, always been himself. And, and he came to the realization early in his career that it doesn't make sense to just quote unquote do the right thing or say what the media wants you to say because half of the people are going to hate you anyway. That's very so, true. Rather than try to placate to certain audiences, just be yourself and let the chips fall where they may. And Kobe came to that realization, I think, after Colorado. What do you think? What do you think that did for his career? Do you think that the, the allegations in Colorado in that situation, do you think that changed him in a, in a fundamental way that would have? Maybe his career would have played out differently had that not happened? I actually think so to an extent because uh, he built relationships. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, that the title runs with Shaq and all of them, it was just they just had more talent than any, anybody. 
but it was really no chemistry. You know what I'm saying? Your two best players don't really get along. You know what I'm saying? They get along on the court, but after that, they really don't get along because they have two different kind of value systems or whatever. But after the incident in Colorado and like I said, Kobe coming to some kind of realization, I think that's the reason why they won the other two titles because it was the camaraderie of that team with Lamar Odom and Powell and all of them that made them better. You know what I'm saying? They were talented, but as a team, they were together and you could say, see they were together. You know what I'm saying? Lamar, you know how Lamar's uh, life was and he would have his ups and downs mentally and Kobe would put his arm around him and come talk. That was not Kobe before. Put his arm around him, go talk to him. They sit together on the bench. They're icing in the locker rooms and they're joking around and having a good time. And camaraderie does a lot in sports. You know what I'm saying? When you know you got somebody that got your back, you know what I'm saying? You want to play hard for them. So I think that changed the trajectory of his career because I don't know if they win them titles after Shaq leaves if Kobe is the same Kobe Bryant. It's very possible. And obviously the, the trade for Paul Gasol helped a lot. You know, that had a lot to do with Oh, yeah, definitely you know, helped a lot. He's, he's a Hall of Fame talent, and he doesn't always get the credit for it. But, uh, but Paul Gasol had a lot to do with that. But, like, you're right. I think Kobe, maybe he developed more of an edge. And he already had, an, he already had a competitive edge, but he gained another kind of edge. But yet maybe it softened him at the same time. You know, just having gone through something that traumatic and – and also having four daughters, you know what I mean. After that, like, it's that's worth, true. You, know, you 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 get accused of raping a woman, and then you are find yourself raising four young women. Like, that's kind of crazy when you think about that it. That is crazy. And I think that, that is that matured him in a way that maybe we hadn't seen it. And like you said, it kind of allowed for that to happen. He also had to mend fences with Phil Jackson. You know, Phil Jackson left before, and then Rudy Tomjanovich came through in the mid-90s, or excuse me, the mid-2000s and was the coach of the Lakers. Phil writes a book, and he, d- he destroys Kobe in the book. Destroys Kobe in the book. Yes, he does. You know, but then what happens? You know, of course, time passes, and Phil comes back, and they have to work together again. They have to get on the same page. This is still your star player and a Hall of Fame coach. Like, they have to come together and be on the same page if they're going to have any kind of success. And lo and behold, they were able to have that. Um, yeah, and and we mentioned the 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 four daughters thing. You know, obviously. So so I'm a girl dad. You know, the girl dad thing kind of came out after Kobe uh, passed away, unfortunately. And 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 Kobe was a girl dad. I'm a girl dad. I have one daughter. You're a girl dad. You have two daughters. That's um, correct. So what? That's correct. What, so yeah. What, t- t- talk to me a little bit about how maybe what you how maybe you saw yourself in Kobe. I don't know if you did or you didn't, but maybe you did, just in terms of from from a father perspective, trying to raise girls in athletics especially and and just kind of what you saw in his relationship with, with Gianna, who of course also tragically passed away in the helicopter accident. Yeah, that, I mean, like you said, I think that was another reason uh that softened softened them up a little bit. Because a child to parent relationship is the ultimate relationship. So it it show it shows in every other relationship. Like I said, with his teammates, it was kind of like division or they weren't really close. When you start having kids and you start building that bond, you see what kind of bond that does. What you know what I'm saying? What being close to someone does with mixing uh mixing personalities and seeing how that works in life. And I mean it transplants to different parts. And I think that actually went to basketball also with his basketball relationship. But yeah, just being a girl that, I mean, you want to show, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you best at, you want to show your child that because 
that's the best of you, where you're happiest at, where you're uh, most content at. And it just so happens, like, some kids don't. It's not even just girls. This is some boys. Like, oh, my dad played sports. I don't want to play sports. You may do it in the beginning, but it becomes more of a burden than, you know what I'm saying, fun because you get compared or, you know what I'm saying, you don't, you're not living up to expectations. Right. So for her to take on that and want to be around her father and want to be close to him and want to exceed at the thing that he was great at made their relationship beautiful. And I can see that with me and my kids, you know what I'm saying? My daughter, uh, my oldest daughter is very, very athletic. You know, I've never played a day of soccer in my life. I'm more basketball and football and I played a little baseball, little league, but like I've coached soccer, you know what I'm saying? Like I've learned the game so I could just be close to, them while they're doing those activities and you know what i'm saying that that relationship i saw with him and his daughter you know what i'm saying this guy is worth 400 million dollars and he's his daughter's aau basketball coach you know what i'm saying like right. and not even the head coach like the assistant basketball coach he's like one of the 20 best players to ever play basketball and he's the assistant coach on the girls aau basketball team can like you, can you imagine you know sitting just, in the coaches like like you're like you're 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 jenna's dad you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, okay, I'm the head coach. I'm Jenna's dad. And uh, my assistant, exactly. Coach Brian, you know what I'm saying? Left. For him to fill in that role, it just showed you the bond that him and his daughter had. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, the competitiveness that she had, you know what I'm saying, made him feel comfortable. And just, you know what I'm saying, being there to watch her love something that he loved strengthen his relationship and like i said just having girls and kids in general i mean you become more protective and like i said that translates on the basketball court like i said with lamar odom you become protective of your teammates you just it's it, it changes you as a person or well, at least it shouldn't everybody i know that has kids it changed them as a person and my friend told me that 10 years before i had kids he was like it's the relationship you will never be able to understand until you have a child, and then once you have a child, you'll understand. And I think that's what happened to him. And he softened up, but it didn't take away, uh, you know what I'm saying, his mental focus and wanting to be great at whatever he did. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I've been a father for four and a half years. I, my daughter is just about to turn two years old next month. And it changed me. You know what I'm saying? I'm learning stuff about myself. I'm just learning. They, they grow you as a person in ways like I tap into emotions now that I didn't know that I had. I look at pictures of Kobe and Gianna together on the bench and my eyes start to well up. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you don't have to be a parent to have been uh, deeply affected or hurt by the tragedy that took place on that January morning. But if you have kids and you have daughters, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it does affect you differently i feel like not necessarily more or less but just differently like you 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 it does affect you differently and it yeah. it I mean you know what i'm saying it to an extent i wouldn't say more or less but it it does affect you more because you have that bond you see yourself in that thing and that's what empathy is you can but when you when you don't have that you, it's sometimes hard to see you know what I'm saying? But when you have that in your life, you can have empathy for it. And you see it. And it's, and it's a strong emotion. You know what I'm saying? And it, like, it was, th that was the most shocking thing I've seen in a long time. You know what I'm saying? The most shocking and unexpected uh, event that ever. Because 
he was, he was just a starting man. life. Yeah, right. You know he what I'm saying? Like, he was 40 years, but he was just starting life because basketball was his life. Now he was being the dad, being the coach, getting in the business. You know what I'm saying? Spending more time with his family. Winning Oscars. You know what I'm saying? Become, becoming, you know what I'm saying, a mentor to young, younger basketball guys and showing up at the uh, games and, you know what I'm saying, spending time with – like, he was just – growing into himself and it was it was it was sad to see because you started to appreciate people that appreciated him on the basketball court were beginning to appreciate Kobe the person and it was just sad that that happened absolutely and what's funny is so my son um you know there's nothing more that I would love as a father that loves sports than for my son to love sports and at this stage of his life at four and a half my son kind of likes sports but he doesn't love it like I did. Like I loved it instantly, and you know, either it was either sports or professional wrestling when I was a kid, right? And yeah. my my son, he's into dinosaurs and dragons. You know what I'm saying? Like that's his, thing. <laughs> that's his bag. And but I tell you this, man, Vince, there is nothing that's cooler to me than his love for dinosaurs that developed organically. Like he just came home one day when he was about two years old, and he just cried because he they had a dinosaur at school and he didn't have any dinosaurs at home, so he was crying when I picked him up from daycare. So we ended up, I said, all right, and it was a Friday night. So I'm like, all right, we're about to go straight to the store and I'm gonna get you a dinosaur toy right now. And I bought him like two, two or three toys that night, dinosaurs, and it's been on ever since. It's been it's been Jurassic Park in my house ever since then. And to me, even though he doesn't love sports yet, like I do, uh, and maybe he never will. But that's okay. Man, man. And, but but I've learned so much about dinosaurs. I can tell you all about dinosaurs now, you know, <laughs> because of, because I like you said before, like I'm growing in that relationship with him, and I'm becoming more interested in his interests. And and that's it. Yeah, and that's, and that's, 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 that's it, man. That's it's being not, a parent, and like, right? And it's not you know always about like, doing things you that love, you love with, but doing things with doing things um, with people that you love. You know what I mean? That's it. That's that's. I mean, that's it. And like I said, you can see that. Like I said, in Kobe's relationship with Gigi, you know what I'm saying? And not only was he loving, bonding with her and loving what she loved because she loved it, he loves it also. You right. know what I'm saying? So right. it's just that extra tie to it. And like I said, they had a, you know what I'm saying? I, everybody has their private relationships, you know what I'm saying, with their kids and their family. But his relationship in public with her was so beautiful. And as a father of girls, you know what I'm saying, it was touching to me, you know what I'm saying? Because knowing, him on the basketball court and seeing how totally different the Kobe killer mentality, mama mentality that you know on the basketball court, getting to see this softness, you know what I'm saying, with his baby girl was beautiful. Well said, man. Last question. Uh, what do you think is Kobe's biggest mark that he left on the game? That's tough. That's really, really tough. Because he left a lot Because <laughs> he did leave a lot of marks, but the crazy thing about it is with this, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? The, like I said, like you said, your appreciation for Kobe is appreciation. You saw his flaws and things of that nature in this game and analytically. And I think a lot of people do see that if they actually really, really look at the numbers. But like I said, it's nobody that was more skillful to me and talented at that wing position than him. But when we argue this debate with Jordan and LeBron, he kind of becomes the bridge between them and it kind of takes away from his greatness to me because he's just the guy 
that was between the two dudes that everybody argued to see who's the greatest. You know what I'm saying? And it takes away from his legacy. And his legacy that is not only complicated, it's 20 years, and he probably has like four or five different levels to his legacy. You know what I'm saying? And it gets kind of lost because he came in on the end of the Jordan years when Jordan was trying to be in Washington, and then six or seven years later, you get this kid that come out of high school. That's the next thing come in. And they play together in a time where, you know what I'm saying? This guy's coming to greatness and Kobe is in his greatest era time. And it's kind of, you kind of lose sight of his impact on the game. You know what I'm saying? Looking at LeBron or looking at Jordan. So I would tell people to look at those 20 years, even the 20 years when he got hurt, and all that, or the, the years in the beginning where he was shooting air balls and just look at it as a complete package and don't miss what's there. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't miss what's there and if you're not really watching the whole thing and how it unfolded and how he matured as a player, how he matured as a person, how his skill set was incredible, how he learned to bridge uh, gaps with his teammates, how he, the younger guys, you got guys like Jason Tatum today, got the uh, purple armband on who looks up to Kobe. You know what I'm saying? What he did for this generation, too. You know what I'm saying? Just don't miss that looking at those two bookends in the middle. Enjoy what he brought to the sport we love and enjoy. You can enjoy it now that he's not here because there's no more memories to be made. So you could just focus on the great times that he had while he was here because it was amazing basketball, man. I mean, if you really love basketball, it was an amazing journey to watch this kid come out of high school and become the Kobe Bryant he became after 20 years in the NBA. So I just want to say don't lose focus because you can. Yeah, I mean, and I think um, I believe that both Jordan and LeBron should rank higher than him on the pantheon of great players. But I think what's interesting is one of the good things that happened with Kobe is that if there was one person for him to emulate, it's Michael Jordan, and, and that works to his advantage because I believe that the the and we've talked about this, you and I have that that the one thing that's greater than Michael Jordan is the is the myth of Michael Jordan or the 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 the, the, the legend the folklore, of Michael the legend, Jordan. The legend of Michael Jordan exactly is the one thing that surpasses Michael Jordan the player, and 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 it's it's the the grace and the. Uh, artistic nature and the aesthetic beauty of his game that is part of what draws people to Michael Jordan. And now you have an enhanced version of that 2.0 in Kobe. He All the same moves, but still slightly better, slightly more talented, just as athletic, just as graceful. That element to me is what people still gravitate to. They still gravitate to the aesthetic of Michael Jordan's game and Kobe just mastered that aesthetic and so because he was able to kind of he kind of bridged the gap you're right and and we shouldn't disrespect him in that way by just looking at him in that way but he kind of uh took the mantle of that type of game of that style of game and carried it into the next generation and i think that that does enhance his legacy in a lot of regards i think people view him as as in part of such a great player because he played like mike you know what i mean and he was he was every bit as talented if not more talented than mike I would I would I would agree with that assessment too, but you know you know how in the wind people are, you know what I'm saying. And when you know when you look at basketball as a whole, they'll get they'll say, oh, it's this era. Then it's 
Magic and Michael, and I mean, uh, Magic and Bird, then Michael Jordan took it here, and then people like to skip over that Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant era, you know what I'm saying? They kind of give them a footnote and then go to LeBron. and So they do appreciate his game and him carrying on and being Michael Jordan 2.0 and him being physically as talented or more talented and having that same mentality as Michael Jordan, I think it does help his legacy, but I just don't want it to get lost in that – frame of we got to look at Jordan and compare Jordan and LeBron and miss everything in between because we had 20 years of a great player and uh you know what I'm saying somebody that brought uh something to the NBA that'll never be brought to it again uh absolutely and, and the last thing I'll say is you you know the impact that he had when you look at the other players when you hear other players talk about Kobe, they revere Kobe in a way that they don't revere LeBron James. Even younger players, like players that maybe, you know, missed some of Kobe's early years and then really grew up on LeBron, even they view Kobe differently than they view LeBron. And maybe that'll pass in time and maybe five to ten years from now we'll see a wave of young players coming in saying, I idolize LeBron James and he was just this, this, and this. Maybe that'll happen, but for the time being right now, during their careers and after, players just revere Kobe differently. They just look at him as the pinnacle of what a basketball player is supposed to be. So, Vince, no, I, I definitely agree. I want to uh, just add a footnote oh, real sure. quick on that. You know what I'm saying? And I think LeBron will get that later on down the line. But LeBron came in, you know what I'm saying, with a friend mentality. So, LeBron really doesn't have mystique. Kobe has and Jordan had mystique because they wouldn't work out with everybody. They didn't do all this thing with everybody. So it's, it's kind of like you said, the legend and the folklore outlives that other stuff. LeBron is kind of like up close and personal. Yeah. I worked out on him last week. We did this, we did that. So yeah, you admire his game, but you, you don't have that folklore, that legend behind him. Kobe is like the last one of those guys that kind of had the legend behind them where, you know what I'm saying? You dealt with them on the court, but you, you heard about him shooting in the gym. You heard it. You weren't really working out on them. Brian will call you up and say, come on, let's work out. So I think that's why they revere Kobe like that. Cause he still has that air, uh, that aura of mystique and that aura of those times where you heard about the guy and not really seen him up close until you met him between those lines on the court. And I think he'll always be that way. And I think, that's one thing he'll always have that LeBron won't ever have to that extent. This is why I bring my cousin Vinny on the podcast, y'all. It's insight like that. It's insight like that. Thank you, man. I, I know um, we got to have to cut it short today because uh, we have another guest coming on, man. But I appreciate you joining the show, talking to us a little bit about Kobe being Bryant and the legend that was and that will last forever for Kobe Bryant, man. Yes, it will, and I appreciate being here, man. I do appreciate it on a nice Sunday afternoon when we got basketball back and there's something to do. (laughs) Absolutely. Happy birthday, Kobe. Happy birthday, Kobe. All right. Thanks, man. Yep. And on to our second guest of the podcast here today. This Sunday, August 23rd. I think I said August 22nd earlier in the podcast. It's August 23rd. Kobe Bryant's birthday. Tomorrow's Mama Day, 824, of course. And I had to bring on one of my best friends in life. This man, I met this man in 1999. And in 1999, his favorite basketball player was Kobe Bryant. And 
his favorite basketball player. Pretty much has been Kobe Bryant ever since then. I know he loves LeBron James now, but he's been a Kobe guy from the beginning. And uh, I've given him crap for his allegiances <laughs> over the years for sports teams <laughs> and stuff like that. But he's been loyal to Kobe. He's been loyal to Kobe the entire time. And that's my man, Rob Parks Jr. Rob, what's up? How you feeling this evening? What's up, what's up, guys? Uh, yeah, Rob Parks there. I'm out here in Virginia right now. Uh, yeah, I had to get on here and talk to Justin about Kobe. Just, like I said, Justin knows where my allegiance to Kobe lies because, you know, I, I like Kobe when Justin did not like Kobe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we used to get into it in high school about it, um, like, every day. And then, you know, once he got in college, Justin kind of came around because that man's talent and work ethic was undeniable, man. What you think about that, Justin? That's an accurate assessment. That's an accurate assessment. I, I, I said at the top of the podcast earlier when I was talking to Vince Hicks, I was never a Kobe fan. You know, he was just his his game and his approach to the game never spoke to me as a fan. But I had an immense amount of respect for him just for how he carried himself. Things like, you know, breaking his finger on his shooting hand and he played the whole season with a splint on his finger. And, like, I think he won the championship that year or something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, stuff like that. Like, it's like, you know, his, his, he, all he cared about was ball. The way that he would come back every offseason with a new dimension to his game, a new layer to his game or his repertoire. Like, he was doing things um, at a very young age that nobody really could understand right. or understood and and we talked a little bit about that earlier was his, his work ethic so hey but yeah you pointed it out just just right like we met you know what i'm saying high school uh you were a kobe guy i was not sold i didn't really like him at all back then i, I thought he was arrogant and all that stuff and um there may have been some truth to that maybe but what we do know is that uh his talent and work ethic was undeniable which is exactly what you said and right, it wasn't right. until the college years you know, when we were in college, this is when Kobe was kind of toiling away on some of those terrible Laker teams. Um, after uh, he left, after Shaq left in 2000, after the 2004 NBA Finals, and he got traded to Miami, and it was kind of Kobe's show. And so it was at that time that we saw Kobe kind of blossom as a player because he was no longer in Shaq's shadow, and we really got to see the full talents that he had on display. And so again, this is what this is during our college years. You know, we were college roommates. You know what I'm saying? So we used to watch basketball all together, or, or excuse me, all the time together. We used to go to the wreck and hoop together. We used to um, argue about Kobe all the time. And then Kobe hit a stretch where he just ascended to a level that was like mind-boggling. Like when he was hitting 60 points against the Mavericks in 32 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think he had 60, 60 or 62 points in 32 minutes and sat 62. out the fourth quarter. Yeah, 62, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and then in that same season, actually, I, so I, I actually did some prep work for this. So I looked up some statistics, you know what I'm saying? So there was a seven-game stretch in March of 2007 when Kobe Bryant averaged 49 points per game on 48% shooting from the floor. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, that is the stuff of legend and, and it was like I remember like every night just it was like 50 points 50 points 60 points 50 points he had 60 against Portland I think he had 50 against Memphis I remember we was hanging out in the union late that night in the student union on campus and and he had hit that game against Memphis he hit him for like 50 something points and why why did why were you such a hardcore fan of his from the beginning and how come you stayed a fan well, of his all these years you, you know what 
I, honestly, man, since 96, man, I'm not even going to lie. Since 90, when he came into the NBA, I remember him in high school, and I remember hearing about him in high school. I'm like, this guy's going to the league because, you know, the year before, KG went, but KG's at like 6'11", six, six, 7 feet. Right. So I'm like, he's about to go into the NBA track from high school. Like, is this going to work out? And then I just saw his talent, like, when he stepped on the court, even though he was coming off the bench right away. I saw his talent. I'm like, if this guy can put it all together, this guy could be top five ever. Um, I think I remember 2000 when they played the Pacers in the finals, and I was watching it with my dad. And Shaq was, like, tripping that game. But Kobe took over the game. You remember that game? Of course. So uh, so what happened was uh, Kobe. My, I remember my dad. Like, my dad doesn't give nobody credit, but my dad was like, Looked at me, he like, that guy's a star, man. And the way my dad said I'm like, yeah, that dude got it, man. His work ethic is, like, number one reason why I like him, just because he, you know, he used to put in work, man. He'd get up at, like, 3.30 in the morning and shoot around or practice before he goes to real practice every day. Yeah. You know, and he just wanted to be the best. Like, he didn't care. Like, he just he used to tell Jordan, like, you know, I can beat you, I can beat you, you know, stuff like that. I had that kind of relationship. Like, people people cowered down to Jordan. Like, Kobe didn't cower down to Jordan. Like, he went right at him, man. Well, so. we know that because in Michael Jordan's last game in Staples Center against the Lakers <laughs> with the Wizards, Kobe put the most hilarious 55 points you've ever seen somebody put on somebody. Like, right, he torched that man. He, he just obliterated Mike in Mike's last game in Staples Center. Go look that game up on YouTube. It was just like in the second quarter, Kobe just went out of his mind and just hit like six threes in the quarter or something. And he just, it was just over with at halftime. And, and Jordan was just sitting there looking like an old man, basically. Like, right, right. Like, damn, like, like this kid's got it. I can't hack it no more. I and, and I remember too, uh, so I, you were the person who alerted me, um, when Kobe scored. 81 points in the game. Because we, like I said, we had already been laughing. We had already been laughing about how uh, how dominant Kobe had been in those recent um, games, in those two years when, when Shaq had left and Phil had left and it was just Kobe running wild. And for better or worse, but, you know, the, the talent was always there. And so <laughs> I remember I was actually doing laundry like late night and it was late going on. That night was going into my birthday. So it was, yeah. it was, um, it was January 22nd. My birthday's on the 23rd. So it was going right into my birthday, like the, in the wee hours of the night, but I didn't watch the game or see the highlights or nothing like that. I was doing laundry and then you called me just laughing. <laughs> and this, this was definitely one of those, where were you moments? Like, where were you when Kobe scored 81 points? Like I was doing laundry and then you called me and was like, dude, guess how many Kobe scored? guess what Kobe did or something like that. And I'm just like, what did he do now? I'm like, oh, God. I was prepared for any number at that point because he was already scoring 50 points, 60 points. Right. And so and you were like 81 points. And I'm like, no. stuff right there. Like, come on, bro, 81 points? It sounds like an accident when you say it out loud. He but really the way scored he scored those 81, Justin, he had to score those. Yes, he yes. He score like that to win yes. that game, bro. They were down yes. like 15. Yes, yes. And I, and I cannot believe... And I'm, I'm, I was as critical of Kobe as anybody, but I never criticized him for that performance ever because they needed all of those points. Because like you said, they were down big early in that game, and then he just exploded. And then really, I think, you know, he had a great first half, but then I think he scored 55 points in the second half. And that's where yeah. he did the most right. damage. But like you said, he actually had to score those points to win that game. So there was not an ounce of selfishness in my estimation in that game because he was actually on fire. And they needed the points to win. 
And I remember too, um, one of the forgotten. <laughs> you mentioned that you were watching the game with your pops one time, uh, the 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 game against Indiana. So that in that game, that was when Shaq fouled out. Kobe actually had a bum ankle in that series. He didn't play well in that series against Indiana. Yeah, he injured his ankle. Was like, um, you know, it hurt Kobe on purpose. You know, Jalen Rose admitted to that. Did he really? After, he, he admitted to that on live TV with DJ Blunt. Wow. Yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah, he's like, I have to take this dude out. Like, this dude, he's like, there, there's nothing I could do with that dude back there. Clearly, clearly, Kobe remembered. <laughs> because 20, Kobe was 21 years old, and Jalen's like, there's nothing I could do with this man. But, but, like, but yo, but clearly, Kobe remembered that because Jalen Rose was on the court when Kobe scored 81 points. You know what else Jalen Rose said, though, that tripped me out? I was just watching this this week, bro. Jalen Rose said that Kobe told him that there was a time where Jalen Rose was his favorite player. Huh. Like Michigan days. Yeah. No, they're not that far uh, uh, apart in age. Not so really, Jay- no. He said Jalen Rose is his favorite player and shit. Wow. That's crazy. So it's interesting, you know what I'm saying, that, here, like, that Kobe, that was like his favorite player well, for a time. And, and so. we talked about that with Vince earlier, was just the influence that Kobe had on other players. Like other players just revere him differently than they revere other great players. No, I mean, uh, from a certain age group, like, the players, even the players coming in, like, right now, like, Jason Tatum, like, everybody's favorite player is Kobe Bryant. Right. Everybody's favorite player is more like LeBron James, like, like Lonzo, like, likes LeBron and stuff like that. But most of these young cats, their favorite player is Kobe Bryant. There's a, there's a, there's a photo of, like, DeMar DeRozan and, like, Cousins and all them at, like, a camp. Just like the way they're looking at Kobe while he's talking to them is like crazy. Like Kobe, Kobe was different in that regard. Like he was able to to capture the imagination of of basketball players. Like not not like it's one thing to capture the imagination of fans, and that's great. It's another thing to capture the imagination of your peers and your contemporaries and your competitors. And that's what Kobe was able to do. And I think that's what helped sets him apart. I remember that. Um, so one of the forgotten great games in his career, I actually went back through some of his playoff game logs, and I'm going to go through it in a minute. But just kind of looking at some of his, uh, some of the stuff that he pulled off in his day. And I remember vividly in the 2001 playoffs, I bet my dad, I, I, put, a, I put money down and made a wager against my dad. And I was in high school at the time, cause, and he was a huge Spurs fan. He liked Tim Duncan a lot. And <laughs> I didn't love Kobe necessarily or the, or the Lakers, but I told him, I'm like, the Spurs have no answer for Kobe. In this first game, I told him, I told him, I said, in this first game of the Western Conference Finals, Kobe's going to go for 40-plus. And we made a wager on it, and Kobe scored 45 points. In fact, in that game, game one of the 2001 Western Conference Finals, Kobe scored 45 points on 19-35 shooting, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, and, of course, a W. And I believe that game was in San Antonio, if I recall correctly. He took um, he took the Spurs' heart that series in Game One, bro. He swept. They swept them. So I'm glad you mentioned that too. So some of the series that he had, I actually looked up his his some of his greatest series, playoff series, yeah. and and one of them, he was actually far better in the conference finals than he was in any other series. That was where he shined the brightest. He had against the Spurs in 01, he averaged 33 points a game, seven rebounds, seven assists on 51 percent shooting. And as you mentioned, they swept the Spurs. In the 2009 Western Conference Finals against the Denver Nuggets, 
34 points per game on 48% shooting, six rebounds and six assists. And, of course, they yeah. won that series against Denver. And then I think his the best series I think he ever had in his career was the 2010 Western Conference Finals against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, 34 points per game on 52% shooting, eight assists and seven rebounds a game in a six-game series. He shot 40. He shot 40. He shot 43% from three-point range, and he and he flirted with three triple doubles in that series. He was spectacular. Um, and one more great series that was not in the conference finals, but it's worth mentioning: the 2001 Western Conference Semis against Sacramento. That was a four-game sweep of the Kings. Kobe averaged 35 points per game, nine boards, four assists on 47% shooting. So I mean, he was something special. Also, a couple of other forgotten great playoff games that Kobe had. So Game Six of the 2006 first round series against Phoenix. So that was the year that Kobe stopped shooting in Game Seven, and people remember that. And they ended up getting blown out in the second half. But in Game Six of that series, Kobe scored 50 points. That was his career high in the playoffs. 50 points yeah. on 20 out of 35 on the floor, eight rebounds, five assists, and three steals. Right. Um, and two other games to mention. The Game 3 of the 2007 first-round series, so the following year against Phoenix, he had 45 points on 15 to 26 from the floor, six boards, six assists. He made all 13 of his foul shots, and the Lakers won the game. And then in 01, in that same conference semifinal series that I mentioned, 48 points, 16 rebounds, nine offensive rebounds, 52% shooting. He played all 48 minutes, and the Lakers won the game. He was the basketball savant, Justin. That's why all the basketball players look up to him. You know, you just get to a point where it's just like, you know what, I don't have to like that guy. I don't have to like their approach to the game. But it'd be foolish to not say that he's he's the greatest or, or one of the greatest that we've ever seen. I think that he's probably in the top ten greatest players of ever of all time. Rather, I, I think he's probably somewhere in between the eight and twelve range of the greatest player of all time. But you think he's higher than that? I got him like four or five, maybe as high as three. Who's ahead of him in your opinion? Jordan, LeBron, and just those two, just them two, man. Like I can't comfortably sit here and put like Kareem and all these guys are centers, bro. Like these guys are not getting their own shot, and I cannot put somebody that even even though Kareem scored hella points is the scoring leader, Will Chamberlain went crazy, Bill Russell, all these guys like that that they put ahead of Kobe. They they even put Tim Duncan ahead of Kobe, which is crazy. Like Tim Duncan's been like basically like. He had a good team around him, but Tim Duncan has not been the same. He wasn't the same Tim Duncan since, like, 07. Let's keep it real. Yeah, yeah. Until I was saying, to that point, Kobe, in his last playoff game, that his last playoff game, it's hard to believe, Kobe played his last playoff game in 2012. In that, in that game, his last game against Oklahoma City, he scored 42 points, five assists, and five rebounds in his last playoff game. And that was in 2012. So at that point, he was already 15 years into the league. Yeah, that's why OKC made the finals. Um, Tim Duncan, I, I understand. I understand the argument why people put Tim Duncan ahead of Kobe. I don't. I don't put Tim Duncan ahead of Kobe. I understand Tim Duncan's place in history, and as you guys may have heard on the Charles Barkley podcast that I did a few months ago, I think Charles Barkley was a better basketball player than Tim Duncan was. He was. Tim Duncan is not. There should be no argument to me. We're, we're talking about individual against individual. Like right. People like. People let the Spurs' success cloud their judgment on that topic. Tim Duncan was not the same Tim Duncan after 06. And, and the numbers is right. I mean, anybody can go on basketball reference right now and look it up. Tim yeah. Duncan was not. Right. Tim Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, 
Lee Lee Bowen. Popovich, and he had David Robinson, Popovich. and he had Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi, Kawhi, like Kawhi saved him late in his career, like and Ginobili, like. Come on, man. They went to the finals in 13, one at 14, and that was not because of Tim Duncan. <laughs> I mean, now, now, Tim Duncan was great. And, like, we saw that game uh, against Miami when he turned back the clock. I think it was – that was game oh, yeah. six. Over, yeah. That was game six, I believe, in was – that, was that game six or seven? I think it was game six when Ray Allen hit the shot. I think it was that game that – Yeah, but that's like you said, turn back the clock. That Turning back the clock is not consistent. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> You're Tim right. Duncan getting by, averaging twelve a game or thirteen a game, and he has hella help. I mean, I think he was averaging a little more than that. <laughs> but no, you're I'm talking about you're right, like, you can't you can't compare what Kobe did putting up numbers like over thirty plus in the playoffs, and Tim Duncan is not nowhere near that. And I'm talking about Kobe did this for year after year after year after year after year. Now Tim Duncan was not the kind of guy to take as many shots as Kobe, but I also just don't think that. He was he was he was the player that Kobe was, and like I said, I, and it sounds disrespectful to Duncan. Like Kobe, man, like it's just not the same. Well, it's, it sounds disrespectful to say that you know Barkley was better and Kobe was better, but you know that's just how I honestly feel. I feel like he was a great player, fit into a great situation in San Antonio. I, I feel like if if Kevin Garnett was in San Antonio his whole career, you have a really similar outcome to what Tim Duncan was. Exactly. Um, Very fortunate, bro. Very fortunate. If, if Duncan goes to the Orlando Magic um, in free agency that year when Grant Hill went, if Duncan goes to Orlando Magic, is his career the same? No. Probably not. not, because if you think about it, so <laughs> they were trying to get either some combination of Duncan, McGrady, and Grant Hill that year. Yeah, and exactly. Imagine they get they get Tim Duncan and Grant Hill, and they think they're set for the next 10 years, but Grant Hill's never healthy. What does Tim Duncan become after that? I, I don't know. I don't think that Tim Duncan – turns into, I don't think he has the career that he had. I don't think he has the team success that he ended up having in San Antonio in that scenario. And it's not that Tim Duck is not great. I think he's an all-time great. I think he's certainly in the discussion as a top um, 10 to 15 player. But like like you said, individual for individual, I just can't put um, Barkley ahead of him because of the team success. And the team success is probably the biggest reason why you put him ahead of Kobe, even though Kobe had five titles as well. So... Exactly. I I, I I just don't get the Tim Duncan over Kobe. I just can't. I can't justify that any in any form. And it's not being biased. I'm just like being real. Like, I mean, on, how man. many great games? When you think about the great games that he had, <laughs> right. there was there over, was the, the, over, the, the over, one game. That's, well, the well the game that the, um, Duncan had some great games. Don't get me wrong. But and and he, you know, we don't talk about him in the same way that we talk about Kobe. So it's not those those games aren't going to stick in your mind like Kobe's did. But you know, when I think of great Tim Duncan games, I really think of the near quadruple double that he had in the finals against New Jersey, who was terrible. You know what I mean? Like, they were like a terrible – like, he was – you know what I'm saying? He was doing it against Jason Collins and Aaron Williams and those guys, like – and Kenny Aaron Martin. Williams. Like, that wasn't super special. Um, right. And Todd McCullough might have been on that team. Like, that wasn't – you know, he yeah, he's going to dominate those guys. Um so, I mean, that, but I don't think of too many other games besides that. So, again, no shade of TD. You know, we got love for you, Tim Duncan. I'm just saying I, don't, I wouldn't put him in that category personally. But um, final thoughts, man. I, I know I got to let you go. You're driving. I appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. Final thoughts on Kobe, man. Uh, what do you have to say about him, man? The, the black mamba, the, one of the greatest two guards that ever did it, one of the great players of all time. The, I think the most skilled player in the history of the NBA. I mean, first of all, again, RIP. I mean, it's been 
uh, what, seven, eight months since, since it happened, RIP. Um, I think we could just take from Kobe's life to just attack whatever you do um, with your full might, man. Because, you know, you only get one life. And Kobe maximized his time, man. They got the Mamba mentality. Like, this guy got a whole week now with Nike, and he's been at that even when he was alive. And, um, you know, it's just good to see everybody just taking that aspect of his life. Um, not the negative, but like the positive and applying that to their lives. You know what I'm saying? You don't got to be a hooper. You could be, you know, you could do whatever, but just, you know, attack, attack life, you know, and go for what you want, man. Uh, that's what it's about, man. Put that work. Don't be afraid to put the work in. No doubt. Uh, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Facebook, Rob Parks Jr., Twitter, R Parks, JR85, LinkedIn, same name. All over the place, man. Snapchat. <laughs> this guy's a, a social media maven. If you don't follow him, you need to. Mavation.com. Uh, and uh, Justin actually inspired that name. So Justin gets that credit. Um, Mark some people hocking up that name. Justin kind of. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to run with that, man. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> so, it, it, it's funny, like, it's funny that I'll be writing this stuff. And, like, I go around and, um, you know, I've interviewed some folks now and stuff like that. Even at the NFL PA, they're like, damn, how'd you come up with that name? I love that show. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm just laughing. Like, so, um, yeah, man, parksportsrecreation.com. And then I have a podcast, too, by the same name. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, any podcast outlet, pretty much. Um, Anchor broadcasts it there. So, yeah, Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you coming through, spending a couple minutes with us this evening. We want to just say rest in peace to uh, the Mamba Sita, Gianna Bryant. Oh, yeah, GG, yes. uh, of course, Kobe Bean Bryant and the other passengers that were aboard that, that helicopter flight. Um, it's such a tragedy, and we're still mourning, but but we're not going to forget you, and especially for what Kobe Bryant did for sports fans um, and, and the way he uh, entertained us and inspired so many people. We'll never forget it, man. Rest easy, Kobe Bryant. Hip Hop Sports Report Podcast. We out of here, y'all. Peace. You the truth, boy. Greatness in your name, enshrine your shine, critically acclaimed, so let it ring out, east side to the west side, this is your city, much love for the ride.